The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open to the book of Psalms, we'll look today into Psalms 95 and 96 as we continue our study of these coronation psalms, even psalms for our Lord's crowning and our Lord's coming. First, a word of prayer, Psalm 95, verse 1. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the time in the Word of God. Thank you for the Word of the Lord itself. Lord, it's living power and perception and purification of our lives are so needed and necessary. Help us to submit to thy word, submit to thy will. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Psalm 95, verse number 1. O come, let us sing unto the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Now look to Psalm 96, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. And so we find in Psalm 95, worship, yet warning. Psalm 96, there's the praising of God and the fearing of God. And in these Psalms, we find there to be much singing, much praising of the Lord. So let me say that I am for old-time worship, including singing, shouting, the lifting up of the hand, the praising of our God, for truly He is due all the glory and all the honor. But back to Psalm 95, we see that the singing is called forth. Verse 1, So we find an invitation, O come, let us sing, let us make a joyful noise. Verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, make a joyful noise unto him 
with psalms. We're invited thus to praise. We are invited to ponder. The Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. He is almighty. He is the God of strength and the God of power. But then we are invited to prostrate ourselves before him. Look down, if you will. Verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. We are to lie in that posture of humility and adoration. O come, let us worship. O come, let us kneel. Let us bow down before the Lord, our Maker. But then the psalm gives way to instruction. He begins in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11 to instruct the people of God, to issue forth the warning, to remember that if they would not hear the voice of God, then they would end up hardening their hearts, and they would end up provoking the Lord as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And so he says they would not enter into the rest of the Lord. So the Psalm's warning is to call forth the people's worship. And thus we move from Psalm 95 over to Psalm number 96. Again, we emphasize the singing that is to be done, the song that is called for. John Phillips, in his commentary on the Psalms, he says, Sing, sing, sing. That is how this psalm begins. It calls us to joyful worship because all glory belongs to Him. Give, give, give. That is how the psalm continues. It calls us to joyful worship because all gifts belong to Him. Let, let, let. That is how the psalm ends. It calls us to joyful worship because all government belongs to him. This is one of the great Hebrew hymns that celebrates the coming reign of Christ. It is another of the theocratic and coronation psalms. Like others in this particular collection, it seems to have been written or chosen especially to celebrate the emancipation of Israel from the Babylonian captivity and the opening of the new temple in Jerusalem. The repatriated Hebrews saw in this stirring event evidence of God's sovereignty over the nations and assurance that one day he would establish on earth a kingdom stretching from pole to pole and from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. And I say to that, Amen. Sing, sing, sing. You find that in verses 1 and 2. Give, give, give. You'll find that in verses 7 and 8. Let, let, let. You'll find this in verses 11 and 12. It is a song of joyful worship. In song and in sermon, we should give the glory unto the Lord. Verse 1, O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless His name. 
Here is songs to give the glory unto the Lord. But then we find a sermon is mentioned. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. With our songs, let us give glory unto the Lord. And this would strike out and do away with all of this contemporary Christian, quote unquote, music of our day that magnifies man and equates spiritual experiences to emotional experiences that are filled with sensuality and ignore the truth of God's scripture and ignore the spirit of God himself. So in song, we should give glory unto the Lord, who is to be feared above all gods, who is a holy, righteous, and God of truth, a God of perfection, a God of eternity. But then we are to give him the glory in our sermon, show forth his salvation, declare his glory, his greatness, his magnificence, his brilliance, and his brightness among the nations, yes, among the heathen, and the wonders of our God are to be declared to all people, but not only in song and in sermon, but with fear and with faith, we should give God the glory. Verse 7, give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. There should be a respect and a reverence, a recognition of God's holy and righteous character, of his wonderful and perfect person, that he is the one true and living God. In fear, we should give him glory. But then in faith, he says in verse 10, say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. There is a faith and a confidence that things shall be set right in that coming day. Not only in song and in sermon, not only with fear and with faith, but in God's creation and at Christ's coming, God will receive the glory. Look to verse number 11. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Creation is groaning for that time of its redemption, when the world will be made new, and all of creation will give God the glory. 
But then he says in verse 13, that the trees of the wood will rejoice before the Lord. Why? For he cometh. For he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. I would call on you to consider the book of Acts, chapter number 17, where it is said of Jesus Christ our Lord. In verse number 30, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. One day, all of God's creation, at Christ's coming, when he shall judge this world in righteousness, will give glory unto the Lord. No wonder the psalmist says, Give unto the Lord glory, do unto his name. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.